You're listening to New City's Sermon Podcast. We hope you're empowered and challenged as we root deep in God's Word in order that we might grow in the good news of King Jesus and live as faithful citizens of His kingdom right here in our city. Let's get into the scriptures now. Let's start us off. Ellie and Philip are going to read the scripture for today and then just sing a really beautiful song that talks about the themes of the scripture. And so I'm going to turn it over to them. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign ever over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill what he has spoken to her. And Mary said, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. And Mary stayed with her about three months. Then she returned to her home. 
My soul will magnify the Lord. I rejoice in God my Savior, in the wonder of his favor. For he has done great things for me. He was mindful of his servant. Every age shall call me blessed. The hope of Abraham come in the giving of a son. For he who promised is mighty in remembering his mercy. My soul will magnify the Lord for his grace to those who fear him through every generation. The proud he scatters to the wind as the ruler's strength is broken and the rich are left with nothing. The humble lifted high and the hungry satisfied our portion and our treasure, our hope and help forever. Amen. Thank you both. It was beautiful. Today's passage was the angel telling Mary that she was going to be at the very center of this Advent, Jesus coming. And today our guest pastor is Pastor Randy Neighbors. Pastor Randy, would you come forward? Let's give him a warm welcome. <laughs> pastor Randy was the founding pastor of New City Fellowship Chattanooga, which began gathering in 1969, is that right? 68. 1968. Can we get the slide up of New City Chattanooga just so you see? It started with a, a Sunday school and grew into a, an amazing multicultural church. You see at the bottom center there, there's Randy and Joan, his wife. Joan, could you raise your hand? Let's welcome her. And, uh, and that's really, the pastor who, did, who led us to the Lord and discipled us. Amazing. That's awesome. And then you see there on the bottom right, New City Chattanooga, and they now have two congregations there, the other one's on the top right. And um, basically that spurt was the spark that spurred a movement of churches that were committed to racial reconciliation in the gospel and displaying God's concern and justice for the poor. Out of that, Barry Henning, who came here last week, planted New City Fellowship in St. Louis, which was the church we came from. So in many ways, uh, Randy is our granddad. He's our granddad. Him and Joan are our granddad and grandmom. So um, it's really a treat that we get both of these men to speak to us two weeks in a row. I don't know of any other church in the network that has had the privilege of having these two men speak. Uh, both of them are incredibly important to me. And, um, and so I'm excited to hear from Randy, and I'm going to pray for him right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for this dear man of God and his wife who have labored and, um, and discipled and fought for the gospel and pressed in and 
and served, Lord, for so many years. And it's amazing to see the fruit of that, to even think of this church being linked to that movement. And so we pray that you would bless him this morning. We need your grace afresh again, and so does he. And so we pray that you would empower him with boldness and clarity as he brings your word to us. And all God's people said, amen. Uh, Pastor John, before you leave, uh, as some of you know, we are part of a thing called the New City Network. So these are churches that are urban, cross-cultural. They include the poor, have joyful worship, and sound biblical teaching. And so we just had a conference for some of the leaders of the network, and we gave every uh, uh, pastor and their wife uh, a shirt. And, uh, and so would you just put it on and see if that... Uh, it's a, Oh, you just slip it on over your shirt. Yeah. Oh. You, you didn't have to keep it on. I just <laughs> we have one for your wife as well. So uh, the Ministry of Reconciliation uh, is what the network is about. Thank you so much for inviting me to come. We, we are thrilled with what God has done with you guys. And the last time I was here, it was like the week before you actually had your first service in this building. And so it still looked dusty and rough, and there was a lot of cleaning going on, and wow, it is tremendous. And so may God bless you, and may God fill this place, and uh, that many people would come to Jesus Christ and uh, begin to worship in love and reconciliation. And you guys are the, you're the engine to make that happen. Every one of you is important for the accomplishment of that vision. Your pastor is a leader, but you know what? why God gave us pastors? The Bible says it this way, to enable the saints to do the work of the ministry. So his job is to enable you to do the ministry. And so may God help you do that. Amen? Amen. Uh, you've heard our text read this morning, and it is uh, a wonderful text that we, we often read at Christmas time as we're talking about this thing called Advent, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And there are some central characters in the story. I mean, we wouldn't have Christmas without a young woman named Mary. Amen? And uh, so today we are going to talk about what is called the Magnificat. All right? And that is just the place where Mary gives praise to the Lord. We've heard it read, and we've heard it sung, and uh, just a powerful, wonderful uh, passage of Scripture. If you have your Bible or your phone with the Bible in it, then you want to go to Luke chapter 1 at verse 46, because I'm going to be preaching from this text, and I want you to follow along and see if, if I'm preaching for what's really in the Bible, okay? One of the things you always ought to do when you come to church is you ought to be suspicious of the preacher. All right? You ought to say, really? Is that really in the Bible? And so the way you handle that is you bring your Bible to church, whether it's, it's the printed version or whether it's an electronic version, and so you can see if what the pastor is preaching is really from the Scripture. I don't really have any authority on my own. The only authority I have is from the Word of God. 
And so if I'm not preaching from the Word or Pastor Johnson, oh, he, doesn't he look great? See, there you go. Uh, so don't say I never got you something for Christmas, okay? So we, we've heard it read. Now, here's the title of my sermon. We've got good reason to magnify the Lord and to rejoice in God our Savior. We have got good reason to magnify the Lord and to rejoice in God our Savior. I mean, that's how Mary starts this. It, it's, it's like a poem. It's, it's a prayer. And by the way, if you know your Bible, you know that Mary is borrowing some things from another prayer, from another woman. And her name is Hannah. Back in 1 Samuel chapter 2, Hannah is the mother of Samuel. And she uh, couldn't have babies. And she prayed and prayed, and God finally answered her prayer. And she, and she made a deal with God. And she said, God, if you will give me a child, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And so God answered her prayer, and God gave her the baby Samuel. And she did. She, when the, once the child was weaned, she gave him uh, to Eli the priest to be raised at the tabernacle. And, and, and Samuel became a great prophet of God. And in that prayer, Hannah, it, it just describing how God takes the beggar from the trash heap and makes him sit among princes. And it's the great reversal where you think, I got nothing. I'm poor. I'm broke. Nobody respects me. Nobody cares about me. And here the Bible is saying God takes those on the bottom and he puts them on top. Isn't that all right? Hallelujah. And so, and by the way, you can say amen out loud, okay, if I say anything that you agree with or that's true. All right. So we've got good reason. Now Mary starts off this way because she's got good reason to magnify the Lord and to rejoice in God her Savior. This, you know, the, the way she puts it is interesting. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Does your soul magnify the Lord? You know, I mean, it's, I, I guess one way to put it is, are you filled with God? Are you just filled to bursting with the presence of God in your life and with the joy and pleasure that He brings with thankfulness for all he's done for you. This is, a, this is one of the greatest moments in world history. This woman got pregnant, and it's one of the greatest moments in world history. Because you know what, you know what we're talking about here, right? We're talking about a, a flat-out miracle. You know, uh, you, don't, you don't have babies without sex, right? I mean, Florida, they, they have sex education here, right? You know that. A little biology here, okay? Mary is a virgin. She has never had sex. She's engaged to be married to Joseph, but they haven't gotten married yet. And so the angel comes and says, you're going to have a baby. And she said, how's that supposed to happen? And the angel tells her, the Holy Spirit will make this happen. He will come over you. And, and, and the child that you're going to have is going to be called the Son of God. Now, a lot of people don't believe this. 
And they don't believe it because this stuff doesn't happen. And as Christians, we agree. Exactly. That's why it's a miracle. Miracles are stuff that don't ordinarily happen, except that God makes it happen. Everything in the Bible, you know, you can't come to the Bible and say, I can't believe the Bible because these things can't happen. No kidding. That's why they're miracles. And, and when what, the Bible is, isn't physics or science, the Bible is history. It's saying when Moses and the people of Israel come to the Red Sea, the oceans don't part until God says so. The River Jordan doesn't back up until God says so. The walls of Jericho don't come down until God says so. Fish don't swallow people and hold them in their belly for three days and then spit them out alive unless God says so. And women who have not lain with a man don't have babies unless God says so. God is a miracle working God. And yes, it takes faith to believe that, and we do. And Christians have believed it for 2,000 years. And Mary believed it when the angel told her it would happen. And so her heart is filled to bursting. So that is what is happening here. It is a flat-out miracle. And Mary is excited. Now here are my three points. The first one is this. The longevity and eternity of His blessing. The longevity and eternity of His blessing. What I'm talking about here is that what God is saying through the angel to Mary is that what I'm going to give to you is a sign that my mercy endures forever. Amen. I'm going to give mercy to the world in the giving of my son. Now, you remember uh, that an angel also appeared to Joseph. And I thank God that he did. Because Joseph was like, what happened? You know, who you been with? And uh, Mary's saying, it's God. He said, uh-uh. <laughs> Until the angel appears to Joseph. And they tell him, you're going to call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You see, Jesus is the Savior. Now, have you ever been in your life where you think God's mercy tank ran dry? You ever been at that point in your life where maybe you prayed and prayed and you didn't seem to get your prayers answered? Maybe you were at your rock bottom and you, you wondered, why does God bless everybody else? He's not blessing me. And you, Now here's the good news. And Mary goes over it again. Let's look at some of these, these phrases in verse 33. It says, He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. That's a long time, isn't it? Forever. Forever means there is no end to it. God's mercy tank has not run out. He is the king forever. And even at your lowest point in your life, when everything seems against you and you feel you're absolutely being crushed, you need to have this memory and this faith. God is still on the throne. He reigns forever. Oh, God, if you, were, if you were reigning, this wouldn't have happened. And God said, uh-uh. I got this. And I remember you. That's verse 33. Reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom, 
there will be no end. How long is that? Forever. There will be no end of his kingdom. That implies a king. The king is still on the throne. Brothers and sisters, please remember this in your hard times. Remember it in the sick room. Remember it at the funeral home. Remember it at the graveside. Remember it when all the money's run out of his kingdom. There will be no end. The king is still the king. Verse 48, Mary says this, All generations will call me blessed. She was, and they do. All generations call Mary blessed. For 2,000 years, the church of Jesus Christ has been looking back to this blessed woman and saying, man, God blessed you, Mary. God did a miracle through you. And because of you, we have a Savior who is both God and man at the same time. And because He is God and man at the same time, He can go to the cross and die a physical death and yet rise again in three days. And if he has, was not the God-man, he could not have been perfect. And therefore, he could not have died for your sins. But because he is the God-man, the incarnate Son of God, he is able to die for sinners. He had no sin of his own. He didn't die for his sin. He died for your sin. Hallelujah. So all generations are able to look back at Mary and agree with her. Because she said, all generations are going to call me blessed. She understood. She wasn't just having a baby. She was having the Son of God. Verse 50 says, from generation to generation, his, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Oh, let me say it again. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. How long is that? Forever. It just keeps happening. God's mercy tank has not run out. There's a great phrase in the Bible. It's used a couple of times. And there's a, it's a question. And it says this, Can God set a banquet table in the desert? You know what a desert is, right? There's nothing. There's nothing. It's a wasteland. And the children of Israel asked that when they were in the wilderness. Can God set a banquet table? Can he, can he throw a party? Can he throw a feast in the middle of nothing? Now, what's the answer to that question? Yes! Because his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And so, brothers and sisters, I want you to know, when everything's run out, God has not. When everything is run out, God has not. Now, I tell you this because Joan and I grew up in the housing projects of Newark, New Jersey. I grew up in a broken home. My family was often on welfare. I, I know what it's like for the food to run out in my house and see my mom weeping in the kitchen because there was no food. I know what that's like. 
And I know what it's like to see the mercy of God come through when it didn't look like there was any way out. His mercy endures forever. Psalm 136 says that. You ought to read it sometime. To Abraham, verse 55, from generation to generation, to Abraham and his offspring forever. How long is forever? Forever. Thank you. All right. Let's go to the second point. God sees and he acts. God sees. We've got good reason to magnify the Lord. And to rejoice in God our Savior. Why? Because He sees and He acts. She says it in verse 48. He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. Of his servant. Now Mary lived in a town called Nazareth. Now this is uh, up by Galilee. And later on the Pharisees would say, Could any good thing come out of Nazareth? You know, and, and I, I know what that sounds like because I come from Newark and people would say the same thing. Could any, you know, I don't know, some of you might have grown up in bad neighborhoods and people would say, you came from where? We, we don't even want to be around you because you might be like those people. She was from Nazareth. She was a humble young woman. She had nothing. Now, she came from good stock. Both she and Joseph, uh, they were descendants of King David. But they had gotten to the point now where they were, they were broke. They had, Israel was in a bad shape. At one time, Israel was proud of itself. They, they had their own king, but they had been conquered by uh, the Greek armies under Alexander and his generals. And after that, they had been conquered by the Romans. They were an oppressed people. They got, they got nothing to really glory about. They've been beaten up, put down, and ruled by other people. But God sees. No matter how low you go, there's nothing that can hide you from God. He sees, and he acts. She says in verse 49, He who is mighty has done great things. And that was her view of God. Oh, and don't lose that perspective. She calls him the mighty one. We refer to God as almighty. And when you get to the place where, you know, God could do a lot, but he can't do this. Are you a fool? Seriously. If God said, let there be light, and he made the sun and the stars, what do you think in your life is too hard for him? If God made Adam out of the dirt of the ground, what makes you think your circumstances are too hard for him? He is the mighty one. He is almighty. That's a great word, isn't it? Almighty. Ain't nobody could whoop him. It says in verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Verse 52, he's brought down the mighty from their thrones and he's exalted those of humble estate. Verse 53, he filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Verse, 
at the end of it, he says, he has helped his servant Israel. Uh, brothers and sisters, what I'm trying to say is that God knows who the poor are and the humble are, and he knows who the rich and the proud are, and he takes sides. Now, this is sweet. If, you, if, if you're ever concerned about the issues of justice, if you're ever concerned about is there any justice in the world, please let me help you understand this about God. God loves poor people. And he loves humble people. And the Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God says he scatters the proud in, in the thoughts of their hearts. Now, by the way, you don't have to be rich to be proud. Come on, tell the truth. You, you, you could be broke as anything and still be arrogant. God does not like arrogant people. He loves them, but he doesn't like them when they're arrogant. And what he wants to do is get that arrogance out of them so that they will humble themselves before him and admit there is a God and that you need him. As long as you are proud and say, I don't need God, I can do everything by myself, you will not get his grace. But when you finally own up, God, I can't do this. I cannot handle this. I don't know what to do, God. I don't, I don't know how to even live my life. God's, and you say, God, help me. Oh, God says, finally. Finally. Now I can give you grace. I want you to know this. God sees and he acts. He's watching you. He knows you about your situation. He does not want you to be proud in your heart. He, he wants to turn the tables, and he will. He will. There is justice is coming. All right, my third point. He turns the tables for the humble, the poor, the hungry, the powerless. He's going to reverse the table. He's going to overthrow the proud and the mighty and the rich. Wow. Now, you know, some people in the Christian church say, you know what? We really don't want to talk about justice uh, for the poor. That, that's not preaching the gospel. Just tell me how Jesus died on the cross for our sins. You've got to understand this. The, the whole Bible is what we believe. And if you read the whole Bible, you understand that in the Old Testament, God has always proclaimed himself to be a God of justice. God has always cared about the suffering and always about the poor. And, 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 but there are people who say, well, wait a minute. If they're suffering and they're poverty, isn't that God's fault? If he was really an almighty God and he loved us, why would there be any poor? Why would there be any suffering? And they blame God. Now, here's the Bible answer for it. It's our fault, not God. We're the ones who sinned in the Garden of Eden. We're the ones who got kicked out. We're the ones who started killing each other. We're the ones who brought sin into the world. And because sin came into the world, there is sickness and disease and war and poverty and suffering and violence. And God does not like it because God is a God of holiness and of goodness. He wants there to be peace. 
not hatred. He wants there to be love. And so, in order to heal the world, he sent his son Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, to bring shalom. He brought, he's sending Jesus because he is on a campaign to finally restore the world, to make a new heavens and a new earth. He has sent his son Jesus Christ to bind the brokenhearted and to heal those who are broken. And Mary knows this in her faith. This young woman, can you believe the theology of this young woman? She hadn't been to Bible college. She hadn't been to seminary. I don't know if she ever read a book. She was full of the Holy Ghost. She knew God. And knowing God meant she knew his character. The God of justice is also a God of mercy. Only the humble can really fear God. And only the humble know that they need a Savior. So that's how I want to end my sermon this morning. I want you to know God has decided to give us good things. Good things. And he's got good things for you. The forgiveness of your sins. That you can really be a child of God. You can be a son or daughter of the living God. I want you to know that God is a God. When you say, give us this day our daily bread, he hears you. When we pray the Lord's Prayer. When you cry out to God for mercy, when you blow it and you fail, because God has adopted you as a son and his mercy endures forever, he says, I will forgive you again. Ain't that all right? His mercy tank never runs out. Glory to God. Holy Father. Please forgive us our sins and the times we have doubted you. You did something wonderful for Mary and you have then done something wonderful for us. And please, Lord, when the hard times come, let us not forget you are almighty and your mercy endures forever. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've asked if they would show you a short video clip of uh, our choir in Chattanooga singing a song from this very prayer of Mary, written by our music director, James Ward. See if you can pick up the same theme uh, as they sing. Good.
for me. 